0: Hello and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and Guys, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. Kara Kovacs is an intersectional feminist, trauma informed empowerment coach, and her mission is to create authentically safe spaces for spiritual people. Her specialty is helping her one on one clients identify and integrate the subconscious blocks which keep them from living a life that they love. I feel, as always, this interview and this divine meeting is right on time. So, Kara, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. How are you feeling? What's one word to describe your (laughs) vibe? I mean, I'm just going to
1: say magnetic. I recently realized I have curly hair. (laughs) I've been combating it. You know how we always like combat. The, the natural beauty of the way that we are. I went and got a haircut last week and the guy diffused it for the first time. And I was like, oh, I'm a totally different person. <laughs> I've been like battling who I am and how I look. Like I think most people and people socially conditioned as women do. I'm like, I'm magnetic because I'm just gonna be me. So it was a radical
0: revelation. <laughs> that is a radical revelation. I love how hair can do that. I find there to be such prana In hair and like such energy in that. And I just love that word today. I was just watching your story this morning on that word magnetic and how you didn't always feel that you were magnetic. And so I'm glad that that's what you shared. I have a lot I want to share and talk to you about today. I oftentimes use these podcasts as my own personal therapy sessions, but I was really thinking about what's going on with the collective. I am also a coach, but specifically in marketing and business. And I am coming up against in my own business, as well as watching my clients come up against just a lot of friction, a lot of, um, it's a funny time right now, astrologically speaking, and just energetically in the collective, there's just a, a heaviness and I'm really appreciating everything that you share about mindset work because I'm thinking a lot about my thoughts and one thing that you shared that I would love to drop in with is just mindset versus magical thinking, because you literally just posted this and I'm like, let's start there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can you expand on this idea and just touch on before we dive straight in anything else that feels important to share about yourself or your story or who you are today that's going to sort of anchor us in this convo together?
1: Yeah, I think it would be helpful to set the stage of kind of how I came into this work so that you understand where I'm coming from when I explain this. Uh, I love that. Thank you. Um, I have a social work background. So I thought I was going to be a therapist. And my first clients were people living in Section 8 housing in New York City. I worked with a lot of marginalized populations. So I have this intersectional feminist scope to my work. I'm also a witch. My mom is a psychic medium intuitive and she attuned me as a Reiki master and my grandpa was an acupuncturist. So I come from a nice witchy woo-woo family and I have like all of those modalities in my work. And I've been coaching for five years and I've built a really beautiful business that I love. And I think something that's important for people to hear, you know, you touched on something about like this collective time that we're in. I think in the coaching industry, the industry is changing, but the industry is always gonna be changing. And what I love about entrepreneurship is that one, it's such a catalyst for personal healing. Like you really have to face your shit in order to be an entrepreneur. And two, it forces us to be innovative as things change. And that just means that we're being invited to serve our people more powerfully, to work on ourselves. And so I see this time You know, I think it can be scary for people, too, because like we could we could name reasons, right? Like the algorithm or like (laughs) uncertainty in global political power structures, which, you know, we've been facing that for since the pandemic started and before that in just a, a more embodied way you mentioned astrology, like we're going to be having a really nice Pluto transit (laughs) for the next 20 years that I think is going to be really potent and about returning power and and agency to people in a way that has been long ignored and is really necessary. And so much of the work that I do as a coach, as someone who specifically, I would say probably 90% of my clients are mission-driven entrepreneurs. So much of what I do is reminding them of their power. So anything that comes in where we forget or we buy into feeling like we're stuck or we're coming up against a wall, like if you have an important mission, like that's bigger than the block, that's bigger than the wall. And where I think this relates to magical thinking versus uh, like really using the embodiment of mindset work, I think a lot of times in the the witchy woo woo space or in the business and marketing and coaching space, we get fed this information that if you like believe something strong enough, it will happen. (laughs) And that's not something I would build a business on top of, you know, like I'm just going to write affirmations in my journal every day. That can be really helpful. I have affirmations on post-it notes on my bathroom mirror. Like I write gratitude lists at night. Like These are really beautiful and transformational practices, but I think that they only reach the surface of what's really going on. I'll use client examples, you know, to speak generally, of course, to protect anonymity, but I work with a lot of people who come in and it's like, of course they believe one, that they have a mission driven business to share with people two, that it's possible For them, but they also believe that it's happening in some kind of hypothetical future, Mm -hmm. or that like eventually they'll arrive at success, or it's possible, but it's not happening now based on their perception of the results in their life. So it doesn't matter how many times they like write in their journal that it's going to happen, there's a deeper Feeling inside of them, which is fear that it's not working, fear that like no matter what they do, it's not going to work, and that's translating in how they're talking about what they're doing, how they're marketing. Uh, it also becomes a block because then instead of feeling innovative, you feel discouraged. And so when we talk about you know magical thinking, I think when the industry was newer a lot of that could work because there was a space to share it where people were really eager to like eat that up. And then people have gotten a little bit exhausted on it. And the truth is if you really want to take it to the next level, it has to go into the body. And that's hard. Like that's harder than strategy. And you know, I'm the kind of coach where it's like, we're going to do strategy and we're going to do mindset work and we're going to do energetics. Like I see all of those things as being necessary parts of the puzzle, People think that the belief work is the easiest thing. It's the hardest because it means confronting everything inside of you that is unsure and is afraid and is playing small and isn't sure it's going to work out. And like really looking at that and transforming it. It's not just like an affirmation you write in a journal.
0: hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I feel I was really drawn to that video, especially today, because I was recently having a conversation with someone and I said, you know, I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And she was like, but do you feel that? Mm -hmm. And just that little difference of like knowing intellectually versus embodying something I find that to be a really big area for a lot of people like in my knowing, in my practice, but in those tough moments of self-doubt, of ego resistance, right? I do a lot of the same work in my business. I have a whole crew called Witchy Business, and we really are looking at body, mind, spirit. And we know this, everybody, we know this, right? We're witches. We know this. We're healers. We're coaches. But then how we embody it is like such another layer. So I'd love for you to share. I have a lot of questions for you about business and scaling and value, because I really like what you say about this stuff. And I think it's going to be really great little micro shifts for people. I'm all about these micro shifts that just change our thoughts, right? Which then change the patterns and behavior. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about how you help your clients start to embody. Like if you have the affirmation, you know what the manifested desire sort of is, but you're still in that limbo space of, you know, on a good day, I know it, but on a hard day, how do I embody it and start to do that practice? Well, I think the first thing that you're touching
1: on is that like that the acceptance of hard days because then we have a hard day and we're confronted with like I don't really believe it today and we start
0: we go into self-shame so we make
1: it worse
0: right it's yeah, like then, then we're mad at ourselves happens. for I said that recently it's <laughs> like I'm mad that I'm mad <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah so it's like this is not about also spiritual bypassing yourself into a state of higher consciousness so that you can create results like that's not sustainable either it's probably not going to work um but I think what could be helpful for people and maybe an example, it could be like your partnership, you know, for people listening to picking something in your life that you just always knew you were going to have. Like you knew you were going to meet somebody and you have hard days in your relationship and you know, you're going to figure it out. And sometimes there is a part of you that like wants to run out the door and you still like choose it. Like that is so firmly rooted in your body Mm -hmm. that it is an unshakable knowing. For me, my entire business was built from the belief that there is literally nothing else that I could ever do. Like it was the only job I was going to ever have. And so then there weren't any problems. There were only challenges. Anytime I embarrassed myself, anytime somebody said no to me, anytime I thought somebody was going to sign up to be a client and then they like ghosted on the email or whatever, like all of that is just things that happen. And what's planted in my body is like, I know that this is what I'm doing. So I'm going to fucking figure it out. Mm hmm. But that I think a lot of people come into this space and they actually do really believe that. And so if you can feel that embodied, like start there, remind yourself of that. But when you want to talk about scaling and taking it to the next level, it's really easy to feel like I know I'm going to do this if you've already built something and you're getting after it but the idea that it could be even bigger than you currently imagine it where is that planted in your body and like what are all of the things that start to come up that are like well my analytics don't look the way that I want well it's been a slow month well I made less in Q1 than I did in Q1 last year or whatever and then it's like you're gathering all this evidence to tell what's happening in your body like you have something to be afraid of <laughs> like this is not working and you're planting those seeds. And I like to think about it like a plant. Like if you had two plants and one plant was like all of the things that you want to believe are possible in your business. And the other, all the evidence you're gathering to like show yourself that it's not working. Like maybe some people do this, but do you sit around being like, well, my husband didn't do the dishes today. I'm just racking up reasons that this relationship like isn't going to work out. <laughs> like you don't think about things like that. <laughs> and it's vulnerable. It's, it's our life's work it is scary. There is a lot on the line. Like that, that's going to come up. We're not here to negate that. We're not here to like repress it. We're not here to bypass it, but we also don't need to gather evidence to show ourselves that it's not working. Something I always say to my clients is like, we don't plan for worst case scenarios. We build best case scenarios because it's not, it's not a problem. It's just like something that happened. And like, because we're being called to innovate all the time because social platforms are going to change industry trends are going to change your life and like the work that you're inspired to do in the world is going to change like how do you want to show up for that looking for all the signs that it's not working or coming up with another way it's entrepreneurship there's literally a million ways Mm -hmm. so remembering like where you've planted that seed and then watering that seed instead of like literally picking at your face, like making, (laughs) making that the like scars and marks and like acne pox bigger because you're just like poking at all the things that are wrong instead of planting what is true.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And also being in the practice, like I don't want to minimize it. I said it was
0: hard, right? Like sometimes it's a practice, it's a practice for (laughs) sure. And I think just the remembrance that there is another way. And when we are sort of in that space, you know, of feeling things just, it's okay. And I think it's a process. And so hearing the ways and the tools in which you help your clients. It just sounds like we have a lot in common and it's really exciting and refreshing for me to know that this is like the work that's being done out there in the world in terms of helping coaches. I think every coach needs a coach. (laughs) That's like one of my biggest things because otherwise how do we process this stuff how do we work through this stuff that's coming up and when you were talking it's I love the word right now innovative I've been speaking to this a lot versus growth um and also versus pivot because I feel like growth, sort of, I envision this like upward trend, right? And really it's evolution. There's birth, there's death. Things have to fall away. That's a part of the process. These things happen. But what you were just saying, it's it's so light when I hear you say it, like I believe you. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll try and say that, right? My, my mentor last week, we were both sort of, we sort of had like this emergency session together. We were both like having a block and things were coming up. And so she was like, Oh yeah. And I'm like having cash flow stuff, but that's boring because plot twist, I figure it out, you know, like that's like, let's get to what really matters. And I think sometimes depending on like our emotional state of our nervous system, these little blips can like pull us down and these little blips can make us feel like really unworthy. And when she was like, that's boring, I'll figure it out. It's just like there's a lightness to the way you talk about it. I think we make it really heavy and I think we make it really personal, not to say it's not and it isn't personal because for so many of us, our work is so deeply personal. Like you said, there's nothing else you're here on this earth to do. So that's very personal. And at the same time, there's like this healthy amount of detachment and just trust like you have self-trust. And I think self-trust is something that's going to get people so much farther. And just hearing you speak, I'm like, Oh wow. She like has self-trust.
1: Well, I mean, for people who are newer in business, they should get a coach to teach them to trust themselves. (laughs) I mean, step one,
0: right? (laughs) And that's something that I'm really starting to notice in people. Like I trust myself and um, I recently came across a situation in a client that I realized the self-trust wasn't there. And I think a lot of times when it comes to investing in coaches, investing in anything really for your business, whether it's a retreat or a new coach or a program or whatever it is that you're wanting to do, we put a lot of weight on the thing that we're investing in. Like, is this coach right for me? Is this going to change my life? Is this going to take me to the next level? When really it's like, do I trust myself to make the right decisions for my business? When I invested in that coach five years ago, $10,000 astronomical number at the time. But I knew that I trusted in myself that if I was going to do this, I would show up. And I would do it. And I have seen an ROI that experience has left an infinite ROI like over time. And so, two things. One, when it comes to self trust and investing in coaches and just taking a financial leap, I feel that a lot of the clients that I work with and sort of people in the level that we are working with have this almost obsession with immediate ROI, immediate results. Mm. And I think that the deeper the self-trust, then the more we can sort of let go and know that it's going to take a little bit of time to build those results. Like you said, like it doesn't happen overnight. It's work, it's time. But having that like initial knowing that you come back to in these times, it's just like, that's it. That's the first step. And then we can start working on mindset and all of this other stuff that's going to make a huge difference. Specifically, I want to talk about how you support your clients in building their offerings from this space. And I love when you say value-driven business and just focusing on like authentic sales and value-driven sales and what that means. I'd love to unpack that. Yeah. Well, at first I'd love to speak to what you were
1: talking about investing. Cause I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective. i love it's that. Something that I just, frankly, like I made this up, like I spent a lot of time thinking about this and also to be quite transparent with you. Like I had a really difficult period in my life at the end of last year. I had a breakup with my mentor. I had a breakup with my Uh. partner. My dad got very sick. My aunt got very sick. So, and then I got bronchitis for three months. So I was like really unable to work. It was my first net negative time in my business ever. I had doubled my income every single year that I had been a coach. And then I was sitting in my apartment with a humidifier next to my face, cry coughing. For like, it was just not, it wasn't cute. But I used that time to think about like, what do I, what space do I really want to take up in the industry? And I started to think about some of the things that you were saying about investing. And, you know, the the truth is I, I did a bunch of market research calls in that time. And I was talking to a lot of people who felt like they had invested and they hadn't gotten the results that they wanted. And they had a bad taste in their mouth in the industry because of it. And the truth is there are a lot of people out there who are coaches, not because they want to help mission-driven entrepreneurs, but because they like the idea of what it means to be a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of things out there that like might not be super valuable, but I'll tell you for me personally, I haven't gotten like the value necessarily that the practitioner intended out of everything I've ever invested in. But I made a choice for myself that I was going to get my value and then some out of everything I ever did. So for example, like I did a program that was, you know, a a significant investment. It was over $5,000. It was three months long. It had 300 people in it. It wasn't super congruent for my learning style. Like it just the workshops weren't the way that I like to learn. A lot of it was review for me. I was one of the more advanced coaches in the room, but I was in that room thinking, Oh my God, there are 300 people out there who want to spend $8,000 to be in a container for three months with 300 people. And so many of my clients are freaking out about selling one-on-one work for five grand for six months. Like, The idea that there isn't a market for what you want to sell is just, it's not even a fact, like it's objectively untrue. That was worth $8,000 to me, right? Like that was worth the investment in that program, in that course. One of the first masterminds I joined, I dropped out of because there were like a lot of microaggressions happening and they were going unaddressed. And like, that's just not a place that I can do personal development in. And I built my intersectional feminist equity-rooted business coaching program because I was in that program. So for people who are feeling disheartened because they didn't necessarily get the results that they want, I want to share two things. The first is like, you're the one in charge of your results. (laughs) Like, I'm not in charge of your results because that's me taking over responsibility for you. I'm going to show up with weird energy in the container if I care that much about creating results for you. And the second thing is like, Mm -hmm. what were you using the container to create? So in terms of that ethical sales model and that you were talking about that I embody is like, I really want to give my clients realistic expectations when they come to me. If I have someone coming to me and they've made maybe like their first 20K as a coach and they've enrolled five to 10 clients and they're totally new at this, I'm not going to tell them that they're going to make six figures in the first year of our work together. Like you're no offense, but your work is not worth six figures yet. (laughs) Like you have to put your reps in, you have to get really good at what you do. We're going to hone in on what makes your offer super unique. Like we're going to build that and that can build you a six figure career. But like, please don't hire me if that's what you're expecting to create from our work together, because then you're going to be mad at me and I don't want anybody to be mad at me. So I probably won't enroll you. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The other thing I want to say about this, which I think is a really different way of talking. I've never heard anybody talk about this. This was a an insight I had in my little ego death experience I was having last year. But like we all go to college, particularly in America, if you took out student loan debt. We all go to college like 17, 18, 19 years old. And our parents are like, yeah, go tens of thousands of dollars into debt for your sociology degree that you don't know what job you're going to (laughs) have. Like go tens of thousands of dollars into debt that you'll be carrying around that will make it hard for you to buy property for like the next three decades for this job that like you don't even know you want to have because you don't even know who you are because you're a teenager and you don't have a fully functioning frontal lobe yet. <laughs> but invest $5,000 in a coaching certification. That is so unrealistic. <laughs> like that is so dumb. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, if you think you can't afford to invest in creating the business that you want to say you're going to have for the rest of your life, you have that business. Like it's not complicated. It's not dramatic. Yeah. It's just like you figuring out how to build this thing. You know, I also coach, um, business owners who aren't coaches, like I coach a woman who started a shoe line and like she took out a massive bank loan to build the molds for the shoes. But like that was a smart investment. I mean, I'm sure there's risk there too. any kind of entrepreneurship. There's risk. But like she just knew if she wanted to start a shoe line, she had to take out a giant bank loan to build the molds for the shoes. Now her shoes are in all 50 states. Right. This is not different from that. What I do think is is different and is specific about my roster and the way that I do things, and this is like that intersectional feminist model, is I have always had sliding scale on my roster. And we get taught this idea in the coaching industry that the most committed clients will like figure out how to pay in full. Mm -hmm. I've heard that. Yeah. (laughs) That's just not true. Like I look at my sliding scale clients who have built incredible businesses and are now out earning their previous annual salaries from working with me they were so committed. Mm -hmm. Like that is a white supremacist patriarchal idea that is bullshit. And like, I don't subscribe to that and it doesn't exist in my model. However, this time last year, like that's what I was being taught. And like, that's what I thought I was aiming towards. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean about being innovative. I was like, you know what? That actually doesn't work for me. My pricing is literally the exact same. I just have a different logic behind it now. So like when you're talking about an investment or a buy-in, if you're going to hire a coach, it is an investment. You do, if you're using business coaching correctly, it should give you an ROI. That is the like most of my clients, they make between 50 and 1000% increase in profit. That was like last year I asked them all to submit that those were the results. So in my body of work, yes, there is a direct return on investment. And of course, we don't guarantee people that, but the buy-in, when you're looking at somebody who maybe has access to generational wealth, maybe has access to, they can get a credit card, they can easily get a loan. Uh, Yes, maybe they're paying it on a payment plan, but they can put more upfront because they've already made money in their business. That is very different from somebody coming to me who's like, I have a couple of kids and I make 50K a year, and to pay your full rate is half my annual salary. And like, I don't have good credit and I can't take out a credit card to pay you without the interest rates being astronomical. So to me, having sliding scale is just like basic math. Like, you're investing in a container to create your results. It's a serious investment. It should be taken seriously. It's probably a smarter investment than your student debt was. And fractionally the buy-in is going to be congruent with like what your experience is in the world. Um, And I've made multi-six figures as a coach doing that. You know, I've been in business for five years. I'm in my third or like actually my fourth multi-six figure a year. I'm going to out-earn myself again and I'm going to serve people powerfully whether they're on sliding scale or not.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that model. My sister uses that model with her coaching and I just... It's so beautiful too. She's always like so surprised she'll send the sliding scale and she's like four people paid in full. They paid the max. I'm like, yeah, like it's so interesting. You know, there's so many ways and directions I want to go here and say, but thank you for sharing your model. Um, I think it's really inspiring and I have like a sort of backdoor sliding scale. So if people come to me, you know, there's never going to be, it just doesn't feel good to take someone's money In that I just I had an experience this week and I'm like, I cannot charge her this right now. Like it just doesn't feel good, and that's not supportive to her growing her business. And it always comes back. And like the energy of money is such a funny one for people. It's something we work a lot with in the energy of business that I'm teaching. Money's the first energy because it's just such a big one. And I love the way you talk about these investments because we make it really heavy and people are like shook at times when they're asked to make a $5,000, $10,000 investment, but they're wanting to make $100,000 to $200,000 that year, but aren't willing to invest in reaching the people that they're here to serve. And from a marketing standpoint, that's really confusing to me. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to pay to get in front of your dream client whose lifetime value could be like... $100,000 if they stay with you for five years? Like, what are we doing here? And so the willingness to invest, again, I think comes back to self-trust though. Like, and if people are missing that link or aren't feeling like you said 100% sure that this is what you're meant to be doing, let's start there. Let's focus on an offering that feels really authentic, really unique, and really valuable. And I think that, you know, we're saying so much of the same stuff in our businesses. So it's fun to like hear, you describe it in a different way because at the end of the day, we're both helping our clients scale. But in marketing, I'm always wearing the marketing hat. So Mm -hmm. there is such clear ROI in what I'm doing. Um, You know, you pay a dollar and hopefully you get five back. And if you don't, then (laughs) hire me to be your marketer because that's what you like. It's basic math, right? But there is an upfront investment and there is that desire to, Hey, do you want to have a six figure business? A, that might not happen this year. And B, in order to do that, an investment is required. And I usually just start my my webinars around marketing with saying, hey, if you want to grow and scale sustainably over the next five years, what is your top line revenue? What is that goal? 10% of that goes to marketing minimum. Like... That's the investment. Last year, I invested 20% back into marketing because I want to grow. I want to scale. And so I would love to hear your take on scaling. And so once we're in this place of organic success, this is where a lot of people come to me. So they've had organic success. They are maybe making six figures already just around. And at this point, they have some pillars of revenue in place, maybe an email list, that kind of stuff, but never have like invested seriously, but have seen organic success. And so for me, that's a time that it's time to market and scale. When we have organic success before we exhaust organic reach, that's when we want to start driving in new leads and that kind of thing. But when you talk about grounded scaling or scaling in a grounded way, I think oftentimes when I think of scaling, it's like the opposite energy. And I would love to support my clients and also myself. Um, I'm in the middle of scaling right now and I knew that it would be a step back financially in order to get there but when you're in it it's like like yeah. I know this was the right decision but I'm holding on and it's like that that scale ground you know like wh- what do we do there how do we play there how do we make the most of that time
1: yeah, uh, well you just made like a body, like people probably heard the sound effect, but like you scrunched your shoulders up and you pulled back. And I'm like, what is that that feeling or sensation saying? What's it saying to you? Not rhetorical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is that feeling? It's feeling like, man, I hope I'm right about that. You know, it's self-doubt. Mm, mm-hmm. The doubt starts to creeps in. What I call it is self-sabotage. And so for me, self-sabotage happens when we let our limiting beliefs win.
1: Yeah, And
0: these thoughts start to creep in that we aren't good enough. We can't do it. We can't have that vision. We can't scale for me personally. We can use this as an example. I have this vision of taking rest. (laughs) I know what a, what a concept. (laughs) I have a vision that after 10 years of like hardcore toxic productivity, I have now built enough integrity, reputation, and sort of social proof out there in the world that people trust authentic audience now. It doesn't have to be me out there all the time, all the time, all the time. And so I'm in that position of wanting to rest. So it's personal. It's heavy. I'm really connected to the business. And yet I know that hiring a project manager, I know that like doing this scalability so that I can have a more bird's eye view and be more the CEO. Like Again, in the knowing, but the embodiment of actually being like, I've made the decision yeah. and then navigating that decision is where I find a lot of my clients start to teeter energetically and how we stay grounded in this. Like we've already decided to scale. We've already made the yeah. investment, you know, then what?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that what you're touching on is so valuable for anybody who's either scaling or maybe you're launching and anybody who's ever done this is going to resonate with this. It's like, you get really excited about the thing, you know, you're going to do it. We talked about that feeling that you have where it's like firmly planted and rooted in the body. And you're like, this is happening. There's no other road. This is the only road. And then you receive some evidence that it's not working with like the immediacy or the, the, you, it doesn't feel the way that you're expecting it to feel immediately. And you go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And you try to backtrack out. It's kind of like if you've ever been like ziplining or like, I'm not a risk taker. So ziplining is the most extreme example for me, but, or like jumped out of a plane where it's like, you know, you're going to do it. And then after you let go, you're like, well, now I have no choice. I have to stay on this thing until it ends. And there's some natural bodily reactions that are going to happen. And that's why I think nervous system regulation and mindset work pair so beautifully with each other because your body sends more signals to your brain than the other way around. Like most of the messages that your brain is getting are coming from your body, not the reverse. So you can say like, this is going to work out. I can be calm. This is going to be okay. But your body is not on that, on that bus today. And that's the time where we really wanna slow down and we really wanna go inside. So this thing that you were saying about, like I have this vision, I have this vision of resting, there's a wise intuition there. Your body is asking you to not like be necessarily hovering over how this is going, but go and do the thing that is the embodiment of the result that you think you're going to get after it happens. Like your body is communicating with you. And instead of listening to the, oh, my body is asking me to rest in the process of the scaling, the nervous part has gotten really loud mm-hmm. and what I think is so fun about this I mean it's I say fun but when I was personally sitting in it I hated it too so like
0: i this kidding. is a blast <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like I'm gonna try to go and relax because I'm going to listen to my body and then you spend the entire time relaxing not relaxing and obsessing about the thing now the real gift and magic of this is at the other side of that You know, like instead of making a reactive decision, instead of like trying to force something, even if you didn't actually enjoy the relaxing, you showed your nervous system that you could hold it like you demonstrated leadership to yourself. And if you continue to be in the practice of that, which means coming back to self-trust when you don't and coming back to self-trust when you don't and coming back to self-trust when you don't. And when you feel like, how much longer am I gonna have to freaking do this for? Like, I have news for you. You know, my coach is a a million dollar business owner. And I asked her, like, does it stop? And she was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna be, In the practice of that, as we scale forever, Mm. what if we decided we wanted to look at that journey differently? Like, I like to tell myself, oh, I'm in the process of self-mastership right now. I'm in the process of expanding my capacity to hold it all. I'm in the process of showing myself that, like, not only can I build a multi-six-figure business, but I can build a fempire. (laughs) Like, I am really stepping into leadership in this freaking out moment. How funny. Mm -hmm. And that when you talk about the lightness and the levity that you saw in me, it's that. It's the remembering that, like, me freaking out can be funny. Mm -hmm. And that it's probably, I do parts work with people. It's probably like an inner child part. That's like, are we going to be okay?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You know, I think it's really powerful the way that you reframed all that. And I really appreciate your reframes and how you just almost accept what is and I've recently been doing tapping and I feel like tapping is that it's like naming the thing first it's like I feel this way and then all of a sudden a shift happens where it's almost funny it's almost light and it's like even though I feel this way I'm expanding even though and so what I'm realizing that I think is my takeaway and maybe even the title of this podcast episode is like enjoying the fucking process yeah And so many of us are wanting, I'll be happy when, or I'll feel safe in my nervous system when my bank account looks like this, or name the insert thing here, instead of understanding that we are in a process. My therapist was just saying, you're postpartum, you're hormonal, you're scaling your business, you haven't slept. like You are in an incredible time that you will look back on and be so grateful Mm -hmm. for the lessons and the teachings and whatever. So how can we sit in the discomfort? Because we want the answers. We want to get the, I mean, the unknowing is hard. The unknowing is scary. You know, the not knowing where we'll be or where we'll land is tough. And knowing that, sitting in that process, like you just said, and being with that is the best thing you can do for your self-mastery for the empire that you're building. Insert thing here and easier said than done, but it's such a powerful reminder of just like, just be in it. Like what a concept.
1: (laughs) How are you going to show your client, like you're guiding your clients through that, I'm guiding my clients through that. So like if I bypass that part, if that part didn't happen, I would not be as good at holding up the vision for them. Mm -hmm. And I also think too, like me, who's sitting on top of a million dollar empire, who's bought my mom a house, who like has all of these things that are in that they already exist because they exist within me because I am creating them. It's not like you snap your fingers and you get there. Like it's uncomfortable putting your, and to new coaches, like it's uncomfortable to put your first offer out. And like, maybe you hear crickets. It's uncomfortable to go through your first client conflict. Uh, It's uncomfortable comfortable to take a risk and pay someone and not know how it's going to go like all of these things are uncomfortable you do them because what you want is what you're committed to like i'm not committed to my discomfort i'm committed to my vision and so i'm willing to sit in discomfort to, and I think again, a relationship is a great example. Like it, sometimes you have arguments. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes you get a mirror reflected back at you about something that you don't like about yourself that you have to work on in order to show up in integrity in your relationship. Those are gifts. I was. Fun tip for, for people listening, you can audit Harvard and Yale classes for free. And maybe I'm just a nerd, but I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and so I audited the um the science of happiness. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how one of the core components of happiness is unhappiness because pleasure without meaning is baseless. And like, it feels good for a second, but it's fleeting. And that actual happiness can only be the byproduct of transcending difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. So like this big, beautiful thing that you are building, discomfort is part of that journey. If you don't want it, like don't sign up. But I don't think any of us are more comfortable working at jobs that we don't like.
0: No, I find entrepreneurship to have been the most spiritual experience of my life and my business to be one of the most sacred and intimate partnerships that I'll ever have. And so I just appreciate these reframes. I think there were so many little micro shifts that happened, and that was my goal. I knew that you could just bring it home. And we touched on every single thing that I had (laughs) written down in such an authentic way. So I just appreciate you showing up and being so valuable with your time and what you were sharing. I would love to just do a quick rapid fire so that I can really get the most out of this experience with you. And that is three questions. Um, The first one right now is, what are you reading? Okay, so this is the book that everybody listening needs to read. Yes, this is what (laughs) I was hoping for.
1: (laughs) It's, uh, I just finished it. It's, I'll, I'll be reading it again. It's We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And it is about- uh, why women and marginalized people need to be making money so that we can overthrow political structures that we inherently disagree with. And it really reshapes this idea of wealth acquisition as being something that people who care about justice and liberation should be prioritizing instead of turning away from. And I d- did the audiobook, but I was just like stomping up and down the street <laughs> while I'm listening to it. So, recommend that one. Also, Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, two money books, uh, really great way of thinking about like how scarcity is kind of an illusion. Like we have more on this planet than we could ever need. And so when we buy into scarcity, like we're one, believing a lie and two, creating a really negative frequency in our reality. So those would be my two wrecks.
0: Beautiful. And who right now inspires you the most, whether it's a newsletter, you're looking forward to reading somebody that you love to follow on social, who's like Who's, who are you vibing with right now?
1: I'm definitely having a Rachel Rogers moment. Like really? that book changed my life. It is the best book on money I have ever read. And I was listening to uh, her podcast the other day and she was talking about how there's a Facebook group that exists where people basically just trash on her. <laughs> and like That's success. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought. It was like, it called something like the I Hate Rachel Rogers Facebook group. And I was thinking about like, One, I have an accountability model in my business where in all of my containers, if there's a microaggression or somebody steps on somebody's foot or I do something because like I'm imperfect and I'm going to do things too, we have an ouch rule. So people can either privately message me ouch or they can literally just unmute themselves and say ouch. And we have a call-in opportunity because I'm trying to create a culture where when people mess up, we just address it and it becomes a thing that happens because we're imperfect people indoctrinated into patriarchy and we're going to hurt each other and like i'm not perfect like i've i've messed up i've been blind to my privilege i've poked a wound that didn't land well like people have misinterpreted what i've said and i think one of the biggest lessons for me as a business owner is like i would take those experiences so personally and take them on and nobody got to seven figures without people really not liking them <laughs> and i had a client i thought this was so valuable i had a client tell me the other day this thing called the the pendulum theory, which is like, if Donald Trump walks into a room, hundred percent of the people in the room have an opinion about him. If Barack Obama walks into a room, hundred percent of the people in the room have an opinion about him. If you or I walk into a room, maybe somebody is like, I like her hat, (laughs) but like, they're not necessarily having an opinion about us. So to be a person of great impact means to acknowledge that like 50% of people are going to be all about it. And 50% of people are going to be like, I don't like what you had to say. And maybe it's about you and maybe it's about them. But like people who are fully embodying their authenticity, back to that word about magnetism, like that's what actually calls in soulmate clients. There are more people out there to work with you than you could ever possibly serve. Your authenticity, authentic audience, like that's what... Attracts them to you. So the people that I resonate with most are the people who are unashamed of taking up space, even when it's polarizing. I think uh, Rachel Rogers is a great example of that. I think Lizzo is a great example of that. Is she's yeah. like she? People tell her not to exist just when she walks into the room, and she simultaneously is like the most fabulous person that has ever existed, and like she doesn't care about taking up space. So yeah, that's those people are who I'm vibing with.
0: Mm, That's such a beautiful reminder. I tell my clients that all the time, but it's easier to say it than embody it again. You know, I dropped a newsletter this week that was really personal. I talked about self-sabotage and I had the biggest response that I've ever had in terms of positivity overwhelmingly. So, and yet the amount of unfollows, right. Or the unsubscribes and the two negative emails I got just were, like what I would say to my clients is like, great work. You made them feel something, you know, you made them feel something enough that they decided to like give you that energy back. And it's really not about you at all. But then when you're the one on the receiving end, it can be tough to embody that. So I just want to remind everybody, of that because I agree when you have a hater or somebody, I call them, you know, haters are actually undercover fans in a lot of ways because you're making them feel something you're triggering, you're sparking something and same, no same. Like there's some type of recognition that's happening and whether it's on a subconscious level, we'll never know exactly why, but it's really not our business. And if I've, I always think that, you know, I was in a sorority in my, you know, five lifetimes ago. And I remember we had these words, we had these words that we could say if we didn't want somebody in. we couldn't just say like, Oh, I don't like her whatever. And one of the words was didn't leave an impression. Mm. And I remember thinking that that's the worst thing someone could ever say about me. Mm -hmm. I would rather them walk away. Like, I don't like anything she said, you know, like just completely polarized than to have not made an impression Mm -hmm. like that to me is just the ultimate. I, you know, as, as long as you're in your authentic truth, you're going to make people feel and whether it's for or against, it's not really your problem or your business. And I'm just always reminded of that when somebody sends me like a negative comment or whatever, it's like, yeah, well, at least I made an impression, you know, it's real. And so it's just, it's hard. It's not an easy journey, but the entrepreneurship journey is the most beautiful thing. And the business ownership, the leadership, as we expand as entrepreneurs, we become leaders. What a concept. So we're in this like solopreneurship, wearing all of these hats into a team. And now we become leaders and CEOs and visionaries, and there's growth edges along the way. And I just really appreciate you supporting your clients in the way that you do. So my final question for you is your prayer for your clients or for somebody listening to this that is drawn to your work. What do you hope for them? What is your sort of wish right now for the people that whether they're watching this, listening to this podcast or reading your words or potentially hiring you? Like, If somebody touches your energy, what is your prayer?
1: you ask everybody that? I love that question.
0: I, If it feels in alignment, I don't get to that question with everyone, but I'm dying to know yours.
1: <laughs> it's such a beautiful question. I'm going to hold on to that question. Thank you. Um, I think what I would pray for them is to listen to the voice of their sacred calling more than the voice of their fear, because there are people who need the work that they're doing And when they listen to the fear, not only do they rob themselves of the opportunity to fulfill their soul calling, which I don't think you can miss by the way, you know, maybe you listen to your intuition a few more years down the line, like it it happens, you know, I couldn't have built my business sooner than I did, but you are robbing all of the people who have a divine appointment to work with you. And to be served by you and to be transformed by you and helped by you and benefited from being around you by listening to a voice that told you that, like, you weren't enough or you couldn't. And that is the saddest thing to me.
0: Yeah, it's such a disservice, you know, not only to yourself, but to the people that you're here to serve. So. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Tell us how we can find you, how we can get all of the goods. What's the best call to action? What's exciting? Tell me all the things. Yes.
1: So you can follow me on Instagram at Kara Kovacs coaching, check the spelling in the title of this podcast episode. Cause people email me, my name is spelled and my email is my name. <laughs> so my website is also my name. It's karakovax.com. Check the spelling in the title of this podcast. Um, put and- it all in the show notes yes thank you i just launched a program this is this will probably come out like the week after it launches so you can contact me for one on one services you can get on my email list i send out tons of valuable stuff there's always free workshops business building workshops and in the next couple of months there's going to be some really exciting infrastructure built to teach people this who aren't maybe necessarily Be ready to become one-on-one clients, but can use the materials in the interim. Um, So get on the email list to stay in touch and reach out if you're ready to take your business to the next level.
0: Awesome. Thank you for all that you do and being so accessible to so many. I love the safe space that you're creating, um, especially for spiritual people. You know, it can feel it can feel lonely. And then we have these conversations, and it's just such a powerful reminder that we're all in this together um, and we're not alone. And there's people guiding us. They're just a few steps ahead. I always think that the best leaders are just, you know, a few steps ahead of their dream clients, holding a little candle like this way, you know, just <laughs> not that way, <laughs> this way. Um, just a, a gentle guide. So thank you for being a gentle guide in this world and for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. So much fun. As always, total medicine to everyone listening. I know you know, but wouldn't be here without you guys. Until next time, keep growing.